What's happening? I don't know. Our chat's going off right now, though. I don't quite know what's going on. It turned into fruits, which is better than where it started. So, <laughs> always a positive. Uh, you got to make it good somehow. Anyway, uh, this is the big dudes in the trenches. Uh, we are a couple of big dudes and one really tiny dude from a really tiny state. Fitting. Uh, <laughs> I guess you are the trench that we big dudes are in. Whoa, no. So to speak. Nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. See, I knew where that was going to go, and I just let it happen anyway. It needed to come out anyway. God damn it. Just stop it. <laughs> How? <laughs> anyway, uh, this is episode number two of our draft preview coverage. In theory, we had a mock draft before that, but last week we talked about SEC prospects in the middle of the NFL combine going on. Now the combine is complete, and we're talking about the Big Ten. Ben, how do you feel? Your your favorite event of the year, the Underwear Olympics, are over. I know I missed some. I missed it, man. Like it work work kind of screwed me on that, but you know it's uh it's still good to see. There's a there's actually one guy who falls into. Uh, are we gonna are we gonna include USC? Or are we gonna wait for the Pac-12? Because he's technically still was in the Pac-12. It's Pac-12 men now. Be they're Pac-12 not next year too. Yeah, they're not oh, yet. They're damn. not yet the Big Ten. I'm jumping the gun. Well. Y'all yeah, probably know who I'm talking about already. <laughs> Big boys should not yeah. run the 40. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. But damn, more uh, power to him. Well, yeah, he set the combine record for bench press at this combine. Not like ever. But anyway, <laughs> talking about the Big Ten, not Andrew Voorhees. <laughs> and... Kind of the same way we did it last week. We'll kind of be going through each team, offense and defense separately, and also special teams at the end because they don't deserve anything more than being at the end. The Big Ten has a good chunk of special teamers who are, are not they, who are, are not actually good? given athletic grades <laughs> by the NFL. Hey, some of them did run the 40, I believe. Uh, which why case that you're, you're going for that fake field goal right there. A putter, yeah. that fake punt three, three cone would be more better like more better for that, which I think they should more do better? anyway for linemen. So they do more better, more better, not, not linemen. We're talking about kickers and punters. Uh, three cone is not needed for kickers and punters. These I mean, maybe, players. maybe they're trying to look for a position swap. Maybe they want to play some, uh, some wide receiver. Would recommend not entering the draft if you're looking for that. But okay, you know. Hey, the USFL is looking for players. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Uh, we might be talking about some of those guys in here too. Anyway, let's go ahead and get started here with. Oh, oh God. God. Oh, God. That's I'll a... fix this. Oh, God. Oh, no. That's slightly better. Look, oh, look, we just piled all of our slides on top of things, and I thought I was in the right spot, but I've had internet issues like for the past 24 hours, and so the slides updated late, and I was in the complete wrong spot. I had to readjust myself. I apologize. Before we jump all the way into this, I do want to say 
that the defensive players in the Big Ten are absolute athletic freaks. Some of their some of their forty times and stuff were absolutely insane. Okay. Okay. We'll get there eventually. We will. <laughs> we're not talking about defense yet. I'm just I, I wanted to say it before we got started, but you you pulled right, it up fine. ahead of me. Fine. Goodness. Uh, <laughs> get that out of the way then. Yeah, defenses are athletic, fast. Uh, now for the offense. <laughs> uh, so kind of the same way we did it last week. If there are enough players to fill up a slide with one team, we'll do those alphabetically and then get into the abominations, which there are some because that's fun. Uh, so we have Ohio State to start off with three offensive linemen, a Jackson Smith and Jigba, and a C.J. Stroud. CJ Stroud come in measuring massive compared to what people were expecting. Um, not as massive as Dewan Jones. Not six three, pretty much exactly what I expected. I don't know what other people were expecting from him. I so mean, yeah, I mean, since we're starting, so CJ Stroud measured in at six three, weighed in at two fourteen. Uh his arm was a thirty-two and five eighths is his arm length. And uh, he's got a 10-inch hand. Uh, I know the hands, especially around Kenny Pickett, are big deals. Uh, so we're going to bring in the hand measurement as well. And Deshaun Watson. A- and Deshaun Watson. No baby hands on C.J. Stroud, though. What about that baby forearm? <laughs> I-, I couldn't tell <laughs> you because that... he didn't take part in any of the combine workouts. What? I don't even okay, whatever. Um uh, CJ Stroud definitely did. For it. I had no reports for him when I was looking through his stats. Well, yeah, he didn't do like the bench press or anything, but he did well, that... throw at the combine. Okay. I meant the, the individual workouts, not the not the on field workouts. My bad. Okay. Uh he did throw. He was he was in the same group as Anthony Richardson, which was pretty fun to watch, not gonna lie. Um, I definitely would have CJ Stroud as the number two quarterback in this class. Like no doubt in my mind, he's ahead of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, who we talked about last week. What do you guys have CJ Stroud? I, I think number two is pretty solid for him. I think he's got the potential to be number one. I, I think some teams are going to like his size a little bit more than Bryce young. Um, it's but again, have that number two is solid and not as liquid. Yes. Facts. Uh, this is definitely a solid number two, not not a fluid number two. Um, well, and speaking of number two, Houston's also looking for a quarterback. Who do they like right. more, and who do the Panthers like more? Because this could this could be the story going forward. If you missed it, we uh, should have said Bears, this before we started. But yes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> the Bears have traded the number one pick on top of getting Carolina's number nine, uh, their second round, which I believe was sixty one, off the top of my head. A 2024 first round, and I think a 25 second round, and yes. DJ Moore for the number one pick. So it, it looks like there's going to be quarterbacks going off the board one, two. And I think both of these teams are looking the Bryce Young, CJ Stroud route. The question is who's going to be number one and Will Levis. who's going to be second fiddle? <laughs> that would be a Panthers move. That, yeah, 100% <laughs> a Panthers move. Yep. That's why I believe it. <laughs> or actually no. Anthony Richardson <laughs> the Panthers makes a lot of sense. 
only because he's the similar size to Cam Newton is the yes. only reason you think that. Yes. Anyway, um, I really like CJ Stroud. I think he is a great passer. I think in terms of pure passing ability, he's probably the best quarterback in this class. He doesn't get out of the pocket enough, and that's been the knock on him his entire time at Ohio State. He hasn't made the plays happen where some quarterbacks have that ability to do so. Uh, Ohio State, let's be real, the offense is living on easy mode a lot of times uh, compared to college defensive lines, not saying that Ohio State's offensive line is legitimately better than NFL offensive lines. Compared to the defensive lines they are facing, C.J. Stroud has two seconds more than he will have in the NFL, three seconds more than he will have in the NFL to throw to three first-round receivers. I mean, there are NFL teams that would like to have Ohio State's receiving core a lot of the time. There is a big difference between a quarterback who can stand in the pocket and deliver and a quarterback who can deliver no matter what. And I think that's probably the difference with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud conversation right now, where C.J. Stroud can stand and deliver most of the time, and he's pretty dang good at that. Uh, Different velocities, he can flick of the wrist, it's down the field 60 yards. I don't have any questions about his arm strength, as much as everyone was talking about Will Levis and Anthony Richardson for that. I think C.J. Stroud's arm actually looked a little bit better in some aspects at the Combine. It's a it's a different play style. I so and I will say this about CJ Stroud too is you're right. We haven't seen him get out of the pocket too much. When he did nearing the end of last year, he was making plays out there. So I don't know if this is a decision thing, uh, a lack of confidence thing, but he has the ability to get outside the pocket and make plays. He just does not typically. Um so you're right, it's a knock on him. But I definitely think he's got the upside potential of being able to get out of the pocket and and make a play on the move. You just don't see it often, which is a separate concern in and of itself. It's not a lack of athletic ability. It's a an unwillingness to get out there and do the dirty work, for lack of a better term. I man, I, I want to keep talking about CJ Stroud, but I think it's it's almost a foregone conclusion that one and two are going to be quarterbacks. It's probably going to be Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. Everybody's going to talk about them for a long time. I know we've got a, we got a lot to say about the offensive linemen as well. I mean, Paris Johnson Jr. And Dewan Jones, those are two guys that Doug, you said could be either one could be the top tackle and we can talk more about them here in a second. Dewan Jones won't be the first tackle off the board, but I think he could still go first round. And I really wouldn't be surprised at that, especially coming in at six foot eight, you know, 374. He is a moving like he does. Yeah. (laughs) The next, the next thing I want to look at though, on this list is Jackson Smith and Jigba. And there's a couple reasons for this. I mean, obviously, you know, the bears angle here, look, I mean, Justin Fields has flat out said this is who he wants. They're sitting at nine. Obviously there's some concern and some issues with, you know, little different things about, uh, Will Anderson not being able to fit in all these NFL systems that are coming out and people are saying that maybe that's just fluff. Does he fall to nine? Does he fall out of the top 10? Yes or no. That's a whole thing. But then you also have the other thing with a uh, big defensive tackle out of Georgia that we aren't going to talk about a ton, but he's got issues as well. 
so what what are we really looking at could i mean I, my in my mind knowing just looking at what the Bengals did getting uh getting jamar chase when they should have they had other holes that absolutely need filled with the bears also getting a wide receiver they completely is jackson smith and jigba and jigba completely out of the running for number nine because i know especially with his injury some people are even saying he's not going to be in the first round anymore He's definitely a first-round talent. Like, let, let's put that to bed. I think nine to about that 15 range, that mid-first is probably early to mid-first, I should say, is probably going to be about where he goes. Um, I know there's concerns about his speed. I do not share those concerns. Um, look, he had an injury, but he's been recovering all offseason. The injury is not going to be a factor come training camp. Do the Bears pull the trigger? Should they? I don't know. Uh, they have too many other needs right now out there. Um, defensively, they still have needs offensively. I don't know if Jackson Smith and Jigba is actually my true number one wide receiver on the board. So, And if you put him in that nine spot, he's going to be the first one off the board most likely. I don't know if that's the way I go, but you definitely have to put some thought there if your young QB is saying, hey, this is who I want. It depends on how highly you want to draft a slot receiver. <laughs> that too. Uh, at this point, I think, obviously, I'm an Ohio State fan, right? Uh, CJ Stroud to Jackson Smith and Jigba has been a great combination, and it's been fun to watch. I would not draft Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round. Purely off positional value, there are better receiver options if you need receiver that badly, you're drafting one in the first round. If you need a slot receiver, uh, and that's your only team need, you have just won the Super Bowl and you're doing fine. So (laughs) 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 I I want to see him run again, and I think that'll be first time we'll really see that it'll be the pro day hopefully uh until then that's a second round pick and honestly i wouldn't be all that surprised if the bears can manage to pick him up in the second well that's fair absolutely but you have two second round picks right now now they do yes yes they do uh one near the back and then of course kind of that that middle spot, uh, yeah, because getting that other one gave one away for Chase Claypool. <laughs> that would have been a first round pick, essentially. Thank you, Miami. Right. So uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba goes at number thirty-two. That'd be poetic. that'd be interesting. Practically go to the Ravens, Steelers. Wow. Is it the Steelers? Yeah, it's the Steelers. Yeah. Steelers have it. So now yeah, that's the one stuff. The important things. Yeah. Uh, Important. Most important be Paris Johnson Jr. Uh, Probably at this point agreed like around at least media circles. Paris Johnson Jr. is the most complete tackle in this class. And I don't know how NFL teams are really going to rank everybody for sure, but I would be, I wouldn't be too surprised if Paris Johnson goes surprisingly close to top 10 yep and in part that is the positional value the opposite of what we talked about with jackson smith and jigba a left tackle is extremely valuable and one (laughs) who is as good as 
Paris Johnson Jr. And as big as he is, I was actually a little bit surprised he came in six six. I thought that was a little bit fake. Uh, but Ohio State was right on it. Six foot six, even three hundred thirteen pounds. That's fantastic. And even still, he is dwarfed by the other guy, Dewan. Jesus, <laughs> my man is massive. He's not the biggest tackle we've seen in the draft. I uh, know, we, but he is. We we have we have the other one coming up here in a couple weeks. Might be the best for his size. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Unless you want to talk about Makai Becton, even though he hasn't seen the field in the NFL practically. <laughs> I guess that kind of um, leaves us with one guy, Luke Wimpler. Whipler? Whipler. There we go. I put I put an M in there when I didn't need to. What I mean, what do we think here? That's hilarious. I, before you get into it, Doug, I do want to highlight that after the combine, his athletic scores uh, have shot up. Uh, he is the most athletic center in the draft. Uh, take that for what you will. Put up the best stats across the board. Uh, currently, average rank across media circles is 83rd overall talent in the draft. That has to be increasing after his combine. I thought he he fared very well uh, during the individual and the on-field workouts. Uh, so I think he's moving on up in the board. What do you think here, Doug? A lot of what's hurting him is lack of experience compared to some of the other centers in this class. He's good. I don't know. I don't. I really don't know what that would translate to when I'm trying to evaluate him because it is hard to balance. Like he's he's athletic, sure. Yeah. He doesn't have really any experience playing guard. Do you need a true? You need a plug-and-play center. center. Maybe that's something to consider earlier. Maybe this is like a third or fourth round pick if you're trying to slot him in at guard, which is something you don't know if he can even do. So Luke Whipler's all over the place right now for me, and I don't he, expect I will be taking him in our next mock draft personally. Uh, put it that way. <laughs> I, I, I do think that he is more of a scheme fit in in – teams that require their especially interior offensive line to get outside make blocks outside that's right. where he's going to fit and he's going to do that very well so screen heavy offenses uh pole heavy line blocking schemes he's going to fit there but i do think this is a schematic fit versus a talent fit that you're looking for 100 percent. but that's enough of the ohio state buckeyes and Obviously, all the Bears connections that are going on in there. Yeah, at least on the offensive side. Let's move on to our next offense here. And this is not my internet cutting out. I actually have to go run and do something real quick. I'll be right The Peen State Shitney Lions. <laughs> there is definitely no bias or hatred here. None at all. Uh, Drew, Juice Scruggs is like a – he's a day three center. Yep. I would not be all that surprised if he goes undrafted. At the same time, I think he is worth being drafted. Uh, just not viewed as highly as these other centers. And again, center is one of those positions where it's kind of hard to pinpoint your draft stock because what do we really know about you playing other positions? And yep. sure, center can lend itself very well to playing guard. Um, but it is still a very different kind of position. And so we'll see. We'll see on him. Uh, there are three 
great pass catchers from this offense, though. And for some reason, they're all being kind of pegged as day three guys. Dude, I would I would absolutely take Parker Washington earlier than that. Uh, probably Mitchell Tinsley as well. Brenton Strange is a victim of there being one of the most, you know, absolutely dominant tight end classes in NFL history this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's he's pretty good too. <laughs> he's good. He's not as good as the other guys. Right. Right. Yeah. So he's he ends up being like tight end seven or eight instead of being tight end two, like he might have been a couple of years ago. No, I, I I'm with you on most of these. These guys are they're definitely showing upside. The issue I think that's detracting from them is the lack of true production on the field in college. But how much is of that was them versus honestly, Sean Clifford is not a great quarterback. Right. Um, so how much am I taking away from these guys? Because they were playing with a subpar quarterback. And, and the answer right now seems to be they're getting knocked quite a bit for that. Uh, I'm definitely going to be watching for their pro days to see what they can do, but they're definitely moving up boards as we speak. Uh, all three of them, that is. Hopefully they get another quarterback in there or two. And yeah, even <laughs> honestly, the QB coach will probably be better. Well, wasn't, wasn't this a very, like a, a second year in a row, just very not great as far as, you know, James Franklin decisions on the coaching side of things too? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, good luck with the rest of that contract, Penn State. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Penn State, especially when you look at the skill positions, I think they're going to they're just struggling and it's not really due to any of their own doing. It it falls on unfortunately a lot of different people, you know. You never want to see guys pass the buck like that, but that just that's the fact of the matter right now. Well, that, well one, that's of the, one of the craziest things about this offense here and Sorry if you were going to add on to that, but I'm I'm kind of changing subjects. You're good. Slightly. Uh Parker Washington is only five foot ten. He plays like he's six three. I mean, it's unreal how far this guy can go up and get the ball. It is Parker Washington is like truly a great wide receiver prospect, and I don't understand why everyone's sleeping on him. Maybe it's a little bit of like a, a speed thing concern. They didn't run at the combine. He didn't. Yeah, I don't have him down for any, any of the workouts at the combine. Outside of the on-field stuff, right? Um, no, what I was going to say, Doug, and what you said still f- fills into that is if we're saying a lot of this is on-field production, things like that, that we can attribute to a variety of factors from coaching decisions to subpar quarterback play. Um. That's the beauty of the individual workouts, the pro days, all these things that we're going to get to see him do now is going to be able to put on film for 32 NFL teams exactly what they can do and what the limits of that are um, to give us a true kind of sense and why you see so many guys skyrocket up boards and drop like falling stars off boards through these processes. Right. Definitely true. Absolutely. It's time to stop talking about the state pen, though, and move on to a disgusting slide. Oh, God, I love it. (laughs) Uh, So Iowa only has one offensive prospect. As they should. 
is more than they deserve <laughs> based off last year. I, I also agree with that. <laughs> Illinois really probably has one. I have two on here because I like them. Uh, and then Maryland has everybody on the outside. So I, why not combine this slide into this gross abomination, which is somehow probably going to become the sickos committee profile picture. Uh, <laughs> we can only hope. Sam Laporta is, I believe, getting a lot of benefit simply because of the name of his school and the tight ends that Iowa has produced in the past. Wasn't Not it, saying he's a bad tight end. So but, wasn't it like 2017 when they put two first-round tight ends in? Yeah. Uh, around 2017. I don't, know, I don't remember exactly which class. It was TJ Hawkinson and... Noah Fant. Yes, Noah Fant. That's why I didn't remember it. The Broncos don't matter. <laughs> uh, These are facts. It was 2019. Okay. And yeah, Sam Laporta has been decent. Definitely not the athletic profile of those guys and not the production of those guys either. I think he will be selected maybe at the back end of day two, maybe early day three yeah. uh, at the latest. But he is not one of my favorite tight ends from this class, put it that way. I personally would take uh, South Dakota State's craft over him. I like it. I approve. <laughs> to give you an idea of where he's at. Look, look it's, it's hard for me to get excited about any Iowa offensive prospect this year. That offense was just horrendous. And look, say what you want. You could put it on coaching staff. You could put it on on quarterbacks. Something comes down to the tight end as well. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. He is athletic. He is going to get drafted. Uh, I just don't know what he's going to turn out into. Right. It, like we said, a little bit different profile than what we've really seen coming out of Iowa very yeah. recently. So I don't I don't know what to compare him to at the moment. Six three two forty five makes sense. He's a, he's a tight end, but. Still, interesting to see how that one will work out. I do want to talk about these Maryland receivers for a second because we have three of them on this slide. Three of them got invites to the Combine. Kim Jarrett, Dante Demas Jr., and Jacob Copeland. Uh, Jarrett's that five-star receiver who never really developed, and I don't know what happened there. I always expected him to break out, and he never really did. I feel like he's going to be drafted off of name recognition and potential, which has worked in the past, actually. Also has but not worked in the past. Noah Igbenogany. See DJ Moore. Noah Igbenogany <laughs> is another one. Uh, are you shitting on Maryland receivers just in general? Yes, actually, Ben is. I 100%. forgot DJ Moore went to Maryland. Yes. Stefan Diggs did as well. I mean, not all of them are bad. <laughs> I, oh man, I really don't know which of these three I would like better. Probably Demas right now. They're all big receivers, too. It's not like any of them, like size wise, naturally fits a slot role. Well, I just had to I'm put one there for slide purposes. One thing that sticks out to me, Rakeem Jarrett, 
with his weight, I would expect him to be faster than what he ran at the combine. Now, yeah. four 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 is not slow. Right. Uh, I'm not saying he is a slow boy, but I would have expected that to be a little bit faster in the dra- uh, especially in the combine, a little bit faster uh, to show off that speed because he is that taller, skinnier type wide receiver that has I mean, worked out in recent years. They plus six or minus, yeah, plus or minus three hundredths of a second. But uh, I don't. Whatever. <laughs> I think we get too caught up in the numbers on that sometimes. Uh, that's fair. Um, yeah, I I don't have a great projection for where any of these receivers will go. Pro- I think probably all of them will be day three guys. But I really don't see right now the path for them to be like NFL superstars. Were any so, of them... Um, the Maryland returner, because that's when you're talking to day three guy, that's really what I'm looking at at wide receivers is, Hey, who can I get to return kicks for me? Man, I have no idea who returned Maryland's kicks. That's valid. <laughs> uh, the one guy from Maryland that I actually really do like is Jalen Duncan, who is probably a day two love tackle. And I think he could be a really great one at that. Probably my favorite part of this Maryland offense last year, even with these three receivers coming out and two was younger brother there at quarterback still there for this coming still season. There. Uh, Jalen Duncan's pretty great. He is projecting to be an early day two pick here. Um, six, six, three Oh six. He's got a decent size for a left tackle can move his feet, stay, stay steady, stay balanced which is huge what you're looking for in that left tackle as you're shuffling around guys trying to run around you so i like the upside here i do think he is going to be a day two left tackle and for the record none of these maryland receivers return kicks good who did uh deontay banks a redshirt junior uh roman hemby a redshirt freshman thanks and then punt returns it was deshaun jones a redshirt senior or to Tarheeb still a junior. Tarheeb? T-A-R-H-E-E-B. Wow. He should go to North Carolina. I agree. (laughs) I agree. I thought the same thing. I was like, that is not where I would have gone to school, man. Hey, Deontay Banks. I see his name in here. We'll talk about him later. Yeah. Uh, From Illinois, there's really one guy who's probably going to get drafted, and that would be the greatest running back in the Big Ten this year, Chase Brown. Uh, Instrumental in making the Illinois offense bearable. Watchable, yeah. (laughs) They even had Tommy DeVito there transfer from Syracuse, and everyone thought they were going to be, like, actually a good offense. No, it just ran through Chase Brown. Uh, (laughs) Literally. Yeah. The the big knock on him, of course, is his size, but, I mean – there's two different types of running backs. There's guys that are just going right. to juke you out of your shoes, and then there's guys like Derrick Henry that are going to run you over and make you forget what your last name is. So, Well, ho- hold on. Derrick Henry does both. <laughs> He's gotten to where he does both. He definitely yeah. didn't used to do both. That What you just said about his size, though, is one thing I was going to bring up. Yeah, sure. He's a shorter running back. I say shorter because we have the NFL Combine shortest running back in this in this draft class, but we're going to talk about him in a couple weeks, but chase Brown measuring the only guy you're taller than 
Yeah. <laughs> in NFL history. <laughs> I'm glad we got that on tape. You said it. Uh, no, Chase Brown measuring in at 5'9 and a half, 209. Look, the dude is short, but he's stocky and he's strong. Put up 25 reps on the bench. Um, this dude's going to punch you in the mouth, like Ben was just saying. Uh, and he's going to be a hard-nosed runner that's going to fight for extra yards and typically get them. Uh, your your average three and a half yards in a cloud of dust type runner over here. Yeah, and got that four four speed with it too. It's yeah, right. Great. That doesn't hurt. <laughs> be interested to see if what kind of packages he comes out in, potentially just being in the slot, like you know, on a couple downs too. So, unfortunately, there are a lot of really good running backs in this class, and I do think the just sheer number of carries that he had at Illinois will hurt his draft stock because we've seen too much tread taken off the tires already. It usually hurts. That's kind of the saying anymore for running backs. Um, One big piece of the reason for Chase Brown's success should be noted that offensive line was a lot better than it has been in recent Illinois history. To me, Alex Palczewski is a huge Mm. reason why. It's a good Polak name. Yes. Look, Love let's it. just go ahead and say the Illinois website has the pronunciation on the website for you. Which is ridiculous. Right, because it's Polish. It just that's Palczewski. What else are you gonna call it? Palczewski. I the reason he's not really being considered and he didn't get a combine invite, he's the only guy on these slides that didn't get a combine invite, I believe Uh, it might be a couple later. I don't remember exactly, but anyway, Palczewski did not get a combine invite. He is the only all American tackle in modern Illinois football history. I don't know what the cutoff is, but that's what their website says. Uh, (laughs) So I would say at least the last, as far as we can remember, there hasn't been an offensive lineman nearly this good at Illinois. And to see that translate to as much success as Chase Brown had, it would be foolish not to consider this guy. What's holding him back, there were a couple of really big injuries. And I hope that he's all right. Uh, if he does decide to pursue football, I think he would be fantastic at it. And I hope we do get to see him again because – yeah, Palczewski is a really solid right tackle. And if he I, weren't injured, I think he would be in that conversation for like a day two selection. I can't wait to see the Bears give him a, a camp spot or something. I feel it in my bones. If if he can stay healthy, that's an absolute steal. Right. I agree. If he can stay healthy, he'll be starting for you in a couple of years. You do that, so. God willing. <laughs> Keep her moving here. Your favorite slide on the whole oh, docket. Big brother, yeah. little brother. Uh, Michigan State only has one player from offense, at least, headed into the NFL draft. That is Jaden Reed. Not necessarily headed into the NFL draft. Uh, invited to the combine, though. Jaden Reed's the only one. And he is kind of that, kind of the same range as Penn State's receivers. Nobody's exactly sure what to do with him. He kind of plays better than his height at 5'11". 
at the same time, uh, where exactly does he fit? That's a little bit short still to be an outside receiver. Uh, yeah. He's proven himself beyond the capabilities of purely playing in the slot. What do you do with him? And that's probably a good problem to have. But at the same time, it is a problem. So it's probably hurts his draft stock a little bit, unfortunately. I think his combine, though, is definitely going to help his draft stock. He's going to move up boards. Not significantly. I'm not saying he's moving into the first round. Uh, but he's probably a, a fifth, sixth round kind of guy. And I think he solidified that, uh, if not into the fourth round. Um, I could see him going to the fourth round. That'd be... I would understand that. And and it's it's what you're saying. It's I don't quite know what to do with him, but he's got a skill set that I can I can find somewhere to fit him at a fourth round value. Like I don't yeah. need to draft him with a plan in the fourth round. I can draft him and say, we'll see where you fit in camp. Grossly enough, pretty pretty dang similar comparison there for Ronnie Bell. Uh six foot even. Don't know exactly where he fits in. He was slower than Jaden Reed, though. And I got to say, on-field drills, Ronnie Bell's best role is like that deep threat where he's not as fast as the real deep threats in the NFL. Uh, Jaden Reed was the better route runner, just comparing from this slide. So interesting conversation about Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Ability Bell is, wise, production wise, he should be in that fourth, fifth round range for sure. But it's still like a what? Do, what do you do with him? Ronnie Bell is that receiver that you always hear about, thinking he's going to do more, and then just falls short. Um, yeah. Those are going to be my major questions with him. He does have the ability to get up and get the ball more so than Jaden Reed, which is going to help him even even at six foot, uh, he's another guy that can play like he's six, three, if he needs to. Um, the question is how consistently can he do it? And can he bring the balls down with him? Uh, that uh, guys like this, you're looking at the 50, 50 ball. And I don't know if we've seen that yet, uh, which is why you're looking at the late fourth to mid fifth round for Ronnie Bell. And I think that's where he's going to sit. If only based mostly on name recognition. If he jumps up into the third round, it's definitely due to name recognition. I am personally not a Luke Schoonmaker fan. Um, I wonder why. Doug, outside of Jaden Reed, who on this slide are you a fan of? Alusagan Olatimi. All right, there we go. We found hundred percent. I love this man. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm not trying to pour salt in the wound here, but did did Michigan's offense not just win an award for being the best offensive line in the country again this year? Right, and Aluwatimi was a huge reason why. I really do think he should be in that conversation for the best center in the Big Ten, and all of that loves going to John Michael Schmitz right now. I, it's Aluwatimi was phenomenal. Uh, also, Ryan Hayes at left tackle, another guy who has the size for it, six foot six yet again. Uh, a little not, bit lighter than I would like. And not quite as athletic as the top end left tackles, even though he did run pretty decently at the combine. Uh, not exactly shown that on tape, I would say. A little bit different style of tackle, probably. But going to be 
a, you know, he is a draft worthy left tackle. Um, a team. He is one of my personal favorite centers in this class, even though he's not really going to be going until at the end of day two, maybe, maybe into day three. Does Oluwatimi have any guard experience or is he just a pure center again? No, I actually don't know that. He's also a transfer. This was his only year at the team up north. That's why you don't hate him. I mean, I don't hate Ryan Hayes either. <laughs> I don't scout the helmet. You guys know this. I know, I know. I, I'm I'm usually pretty good about that. I just I, I personally have to don't like shit. Luke Schoonmaker this year. No, I that... even told you after the game that I was going to shit on Ronnie Bell, and I just didn't. So, point proven. <laughs> Let's move on, please. <laughs> okay, okay. John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt right in the middle of this slide. Yeah. Yeah, he's being... looking like a goober. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. He's being touted as a potential first round pick. Uh, I don't see that. Again, I would really strongly consider Oluwatimi and Schmitz <laughs> to be in the same exact range. That's me personally. Uh, I know most people don't have it that way. I think Schmitz has proven it for more a longer period of time. He's a very capable center. Can I just say, if you gave me this picture, no other context, and said, what Big Ten school did he go to? I probably would have said Nebraska and been very wrong, but he looks like he's straight out of the cornfields. Yes. Trail of the cornfields, crazy motherfucker named John Michael Schmitz. So <laughs> the crazy thing here that you're bringing up, Doug, again, you're in today's NFL, you're looking for a little bit more of those athletic centers, those athletic mm-hmm. interior offensive linemen. Uh, Atimi was definitely more athletic, at least what he yeah. displayed in, in the workouts. Uh, I saw no issue in the on-field workouts with either of these guys, uh, and they would have been in the same combine workout group. Uh, the same grouping for offensive linemen, but even just based off that, based off what you saw on the field, I'm with you. Oluwatimi is probably the better option to go with here. Um, I'm not tracking all of the hype around John Michael Smith Schmitz, other than he was one of the hard nosed blockers in front of Mo Ibrahim, who has right. also taken a hit in this draft. Right, and that's definitely something to consider. The running backs help shape the narrative of the offensive line a lot of the time. And Mo Ibrahim was something else. Uh, if he didn't get hurt, they would have beaten Ohio State a couple of years ago. That's just that's just simply true. <laughs> and unfortunately, he has been hurt enough that it's going to affect his draft stock. Uh, he is, in my opinion, Ibrahim is better than Chase Brown on a pure running back ability level. He will not be selected before Chase Brown in this draft. It. And the issue we're going to run into with this is you don't know what you're getting with, with Ibrahim right, right now. Right. Uh, we, we say it all the time. I've said it on the show plenty of times that when you tear your Achilles, you're never the same running back. Unfortunately, one year post-injury is not enough to show me what I have now instead. Uh, right. The only caveat I have ever seen to that is James Robinson last year. He's the only one I've seen come back and show no slowdown in his game, no slowdown in his cut ability and things like that. So maybe maybe Ibrahim is the same way, but his production was way down this past season from what it was even yeah. projected to be the year before. So here's to you, Mr. Robinson, on that. 
I mean, Brian Robinson got shot, and look what he did. Hey. It's not tearing your Achilles, though. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. getting shot. <laughs> it's different, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying it didn't hurt and didn't slow him down. I said it's different. And so then, to finish off my point, though, like the team up north had a couple of really solid running backs this year behind that offensive line. But they're not draft eligible, so we're not talking about them in the same yep. way. In a different little, little bit different kind of conversation around that, and I think that really is influencing some of the, some of the chatter. And John Michael Schmitz's name has been out there for a, really this is the second two and a half years worth of a little bit of draft hype for him. I think there are, is definitely one center uh, in two weeks that we'll be talking about who's better than John Michael Schmitz. And again, me personally, I would consider Haluatimi before him. Uh, I know that's unpopular, though. On to the Nebraska guys. Uh, Trey Palmer is really fast. Yes. <laughs> he is the speed guy you're looking for in the slot. Yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's about it. <laughs> He's he's going to be a mid-day three guy, um, but he's got that upside potential. He's definitely got the potential to return kicks for you and be a difference maker back there. He's got upside. Imagine if he could like run routes and stuff. That'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, Travis Volkolek is just I on the verge of undrafted for me at tight end. Yeah. One of the, one of the lower tier tight ends in this class, uh, unfortunately. Sorry, the, Nebraska fans. The issue is he's not known for being either a pure pass catcher or a pure blocker, right. which as a tight end nowadays, you need to be known for one or the other at the very least. Or be known for being great at both. Yes. <laughs> well, you need one or the other at least. If you have both, okay. you're Georgia's tight end who is, God damn, he's Nuts. a monster of a human being. Yeah, but and vocal like is six six two sixty. I mean, that's pretty. He's dang not good. a small guy, right? Beef him up a little bit and throw him at third string right guard and figure it out. <laughs> the only thing I saw him do at the combine was jump nine yards and or nine feet seven inches, and that doesn't really help me at all. Jump nine yards, I'd be very impressed. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I would be too. Yep, same. <laughs> I, I would put him on my board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got a seventh round pick. Who do you want to draft? The dude who can jump half the field. Thanks. <laughs> jump for a first down for me, please. <laughs> There's a lot of Purdue players on here. I know. Isn't it crazy? There were three Purdue offensive players invited to the NFL combine. Cool. Who would have thought? Aiden O'Connell oh. looks like more of a goober than John Michael Schmitz. Hey, there's the USFL guy yes. we were talking about. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Watching him throw with Stroud and Richardson in the same group was so embarrassing. Like, secondhand, secondhand embarrassment to the extreme. I felt so bad for him. It looked so difficult to throw the football for Aiden O'Connell compared to what CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson were doing. I... <laughs> it's just if true. you need a backup quarterback, look you can elsewhere. do better than this. Yeah, look <laughs> elsewhere. Um, he teams 
overvalue quarterbacks and he might get thrown a late round flyer. I struggle to see him actually yeah. making a roster. Um, the fact he got invited to the combine is a good sign for him at yes. the same time. I wouldn't be the one to draft you, him personally. Hold on. Do you think that was more like when they say like, Hey, we need to put average people at the Olympics just to see how good the other people are. Do you think they just threw Aiden O'Connell into the combine? When's just the last time sh- the Olympics actually did that though? No, I, no, no, but, for a reason, but, but work with me here. Do you think they just threw him in no. there? So scouts could see how good Stroud and Richardson actually are. No, <clears throat> that's not how that works. <laughs> Even though it feels that way. The most fun guy on this list, it would be Charlie Jones, in my opinion. Uh, watch, we we talked about him extensively this fall. If you've been watching my prospects to look out for series middle of the season, uh, Charlie Jones is quite the story. Buffalo to Iowa to Purdue for a season and lighten it up. Also He's a great fast. returner and very fast. Love to see it. I mean, not Trey Palmer fast. Not Trey Palmer. He's pretty fast. (laughs) For a white guy, he's doing pretty good. (laughs) For what you're looking for, where he's going to get drafted again, he's one of those late-round flyers that you're going to take. Again, I'm going to keep coming back to this, especially with the wide receivers and the cornerbacks. You're looking for that returner potential. That's how they're going to make the roster. Charlie Jones has that. Right. And that's all Iowa used him for, and that's the reason he transferred to just prove that he could do something else. But he'll he'll return kicks in the NFL happily. I'm sure. <laughs> I would gladly get paid to return. Fair, fair catch. <laughs> Payne Durham is one of those weird cases where I like him more than I probably ought to, uh, more than most people do but I don't have a legitimately great reason for that either. Looking at his build, he's not, I don't know him as a catcher. Is he more of a pure blocker at tight end? Uh, as same issue as we talked about last tight end, he does a little bit of everything and he's not particularly excellent at any of it. Good. It's just... He, he somehow gets into the drafted range though. He, he will probably be drafted. I mean, I don't know. I, Again, it's hard to explain, but Payne Durham's fun, I guess. (laughs) And then another guy who people have talked about as being one of the best centers in the Big Ten, Joe Tipman. I think the best thing you can say about him is he does have to go against Keanu Benton in practice, which is crazy. Uh, (laughs) No, Joe Tipman's fine. I would like to see some athletic testing. I'm curious about that still. Yep. At this point, he's a day three interior offensive lineman. Yeah, I I, I need to see the stats before I before I slot him in there because I, I don't don't know anything cool based on your size. They estimate you as the number two athletic center in the in the draft class, but that doesn't help me. Uh, right. And again, that's even if you're going off pure athleticism. Now you're talking into the range of schematic fit, which is gonna hurt your draft stock. Right. Similar to what we talked about with Wimpler. Yep. <laughs> Joe, I got, I got too excited. I got too excited. I was doing things I shouldn't have done. You never get excited over names. draft picks. Announcing names. Yeah. Well, the Bears never have them. This is new to me. <laughs> well, you don't have the number one pick anymore either. So 
which is not new to me. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. You went forever without having it. Uh, let, yeah, let's go ahead and jump to those defenses. Why not? Again, same as last week, we kind of had to break this out by scheme. And there are a lot of four two fives in the Big Ten. Let's just put that out there. There's a lot of speed in the Big Ten. True. Also true. Also the point you were trying to make before, and I prevented you from doing so. So feel free to expound if you want to now. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll, I'll just start here with the two safeties for uh, – for Illinois here, just to show you how athletic these guys really are. Uh, Sydney Brown is the, after the combine, the number one athletically ranked safety in the, in the draft. Twin uh, brother of Chase Brown. <laughs> Jartavis Martin is the number four athletic safety in the draft. Uh, both running right around the four, four, seven mark. So Jartavis Martin, slightly faster at four, four, six explosive off the gun, massive verticals. Jartavis Martin is, Definitely your clear center fielder type safety with a 44 inch vertical. Uh, and then Sydney Brown, just a casual 40 and a half inches. Uh, and then both jumping well over 10 feet uh, in the broad jump. So these gonna these are your guys that are both have the potential to be your true center field safeties. Leave them up there in cover two and make them watch them make magic happen. That's what you're looking at with these guys. Now, does that help their draft stock? Not as much as you would think because they don't have the production to back it up. Uh, so these are high upside guys based off their athletic potential, but they're, they are development guys, not guys that are going to start day one. You need to work with them to develop their skills. I'm really curious which of the brothers will be drafted first. <laughs> That'll be fun. Got to be a little competition going on there, right? And I think it's pretty dang close, too. I think it'll be... One, like two, right, right early, next to each other. Early day three, we'll be seeing both of them go probably. Uh, but in the first round, we will see Devin Witherspoon, Devon Witherspoon. I've heard it both ways. Um, Me too. Either way, he has the athleticism and, and the production. production. And he's freaky good at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh Potentially the number one corner in this class. Wow. And just to stop us real quick, I want to shout out the poops for giving us that prime sub. Thank you so much, my man. You're an absolute fucking legend. Absolute legend. And Witherspoon shits on opposing wide receivers. <laughs> oh, there we go. Back on track. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... It kind of similar to what I've always talked about with Paris Johnson. And I know this isn't like exactly the most original take on Paris Johnson, but when you look at Paris Johnson, he's probably the most complete tackle in the class. Then you have two opposite ends of that with Peter Skaronsky, who's like the technical, he knows the craft of playing tackle better than anyone else in the, in the class. Then you have Broderick Jones, who is the athletic freak, freak. of nature at left tackle. Doesn't quite know what a left tackle does. And so you can draft any of those guys to be the first tackle off the board, and it will make sense depending on what you need them to do. I think Devin Witherspoon is in a similar situation to Paris Johnson, where he has that great combination of things. I don't know for sure if he will be the first corner off the board because there are 
other options, and it depends on what the team is looking for exactly in that first corner. Christian Gonzalez is an incredible athlete with not always the best of ball skills. And there's another corner we'll be talking about a little bit later on this show where it's like he is inconsistent as heck. At the same time, his ball skills when he's on are some of the best on. in the country. So it's it's really hard to project what the top of the cornerback class is going to look like right now. But Devon Witherspoon is potentially the headliner of a really fantastic corner class this year. Uh even in the Big Ten, as we're about to talk about a bunch of these guys. Fair. And here's another one you probably want to be let loose on. DJ Turner ran pretty dang fast. He he ran the (laughs) fastest in the combine this year. Um, Yet somehow is only the number two athletics uh, cornerback in the in the draft here. Yeah. A four, two, six is fast. Uh, if you were curious, that is, that is fast. Pretty pretty speedy, but he's, I I think he falls into that category where he's an athletic freak, but doesn't really have production in the ball skills to back it up. And that's what we're going to be looking through, looking for through this draft class. Uh, sorry, I'm a dolphins fan. I have been burned by the athletic freak with raw ball, raw boss ball skills. God damn. My new England accent. Um, yeah, you have spectacular ball skills. God, do you handle them nicely? Balls. Uh, <laughs> no, he DJ Turner's probably still, even with this, probably still a day two, late day two kind of guy. Um, but there's definitely upside here again, especially if you need that returner and you want to be able to maybe use him on defense. And then you have the really solid edge rusher and Mike Morris. And the criminal and Mozzie Smith. So where do you where do you end up with that guy? Uh, personally, for me, this whole conversation about if you have criminal charges uh, or a court case happening, I personally wouldn't want to draft you. That includes you, uh, Jalen Carter. That includes you, Mozzie Smith. So there are a couple of teams who will agree with that stance. Uh, there are a couple of teams who will say, fuck that. We're getting one of the greatest athletes at the position at whatever spot they happen to fall to. Uh, Ozzie Smith will be drafted. He will be a good player. I can't stand him. I, and can we is... talk real quick about how weird it is that Michigan runs a four, two, five with a true nose tackle. Yeah, we can. It's pretty weird. <laughs> Mozzie Smith fuck is the bill. I was gonna say Mozzie Smith is the is a true nose tackle, even based on build. 6'3, 323. He can plug up the center of that line. Um, and he's got the strength to back it up. But like Doug said, he's probably off the board just based off of off the field issues right now. You want to be even more disgusted with DJ Turner, Doug? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, uh, but I found it on. I think I found it originally just through a Facebook share, and it's it's up on Reddit as well. Maybe that's where I originally found it. But a list of average sized American males drafted in the NFL since 2000. Uh, one of them was the athletic freak from the 2020 draft uh, that was drafted by the Miami Dolphins, 30th overall, Noah Igbenogny. Yeah. Uh, and then go look at DJ Turner's 
measurables and he is their average size american male look that that's honestly that is going to be my concern with dj turner at 511 178 he is going to get bullied in man man press situations he's got what he measured in it yes combine official measurements have him at 511 178 jesus wikipedia is doing him dirty why what do they have him at five nine the official combine measurement is 5'11", 178. Change that real quick in Wikipedia to six foot nine. <laughs> <laughs> but, Bet. but no, there, there is some real concerns there that if he's pressing up uh, on a wide receiver, especially some of these bigger guys on the outside, yeah, sure, he might have the speed to catch up, but he's going to get bullied and embarrassed up there on the on the front end. Hey, at least he got the speed to catch up, I guess. Uh, maybe maybe make some money as a returner, too. Yeah, see, maybe. We'll see what happens. Can we please get this disgusting slide off the screen? Are you sure? I was going to sit on here for a little bit longer. Yeah, I kind of wanted to look at it just a little bit longer. I'm sure you did. Uh, so why is Wisconsin up here on their own slide with only two players in this class? Because Wisconsin that is because traditional defense. They are the only team in the entire Big Ten to run a base 3-4. Weird. I never would have guessed that, actually. Most teams in the Big Ten West run a 4-3, and most teams in the Big Ten East run a 4-2-5. So (laughs) Wisconsin's kind of in the lurch here. Keanu Benton, kind of already mentioned him. He's... Great. He's been shooting up draft boards recently for a great reason. People are kind of finding out about him. He didn't get too much hype before, uh, but watching him play is something special. And he tested pretty dang good, too, uh, close to a 5 0. Yep. That's another big boy that will plug the center of that line for you. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Nick Herbig. <laughs> God damn, what a name! Like I want to throw him on the all name team. Nick Herbig is one of those guys that I just I don't know what to do with. He is a true Wisconsin linebacker, um, and he's coming in as a linebacker, not an edge rusher. Uh, maybe a lot of what he's getting is the name and the school recognition. Uh, but he, he's got some speed of four, six, five for linebackers. Pretty good. 25 reps on the bench. That's pretty good. He's got potential, but again, I think this is another one of those raw talents that you need to coach into being an NFL talent. Uh, he's got the upside. It's just, it's not there yet. Before we go any further, I got to say, I completely fucked up, and we left out Northwestern's offense, and there are two guys we're talking about. Uh, Peter Skronsky, who I, I thought we were missing some people. Kind of talked about it, but Evan Hall is worth discussing as well, uh, running back from Northwestern. A uh, little, little shrimpy guy, still bigger than Tug. Barely. <laughs> he is taller than me. He's got four inches. That on. doesn't take much. Ooh, four inches, you say? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say less. You you like a good four inches on you? God damn it. <laughs> uh, pretty interesting build because he is shorter than your traditional running back. Like, 
what you're looking for, big bruiser guy at four five speed ish, but he is slower than your traditional running back that's about his size. Yeah, uh, at four or five speed ish. So it's <laughs> it's a it's a weird combination. He probably goes at the end of day three. I still think he does get a shot here. I think teams take a flyer on him. Uh, he's got potential. He's not that big brute. So he is actually a very similar size in in uh in weight. He's exact on with Chase Brown, but he's not as well known for that bruising running style. Uh, and I think that's going to negatively affect him in the draft because just because you have that shorter stocky build doesn't quite mean you can punch with your pads the way you need to. Right. And like we've talked about with Skaronsky already, great technician at left tackle. Could potentially be the first left tackle off the board. Yep. Just Northwestern knows how to move people at, at left at a left tackle spot. That's that's about it. Good at that. They're not good at anything else beating Nebraska and producing NFL worthy left tackles. Yep. <laughs> Two That's things they know how to at. do. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry about that, Northwestern. Not really. Uh, On to the defenses again. Indiana and Maryland. This is Indiana's only combine invite is linebacker Cam Jones. Unfortunately, Indiana University did you really dirty in your picture on your official website. <laughs> dog water. Uh, he doesn't look this bad in real life. <laughs> God damn, Doug, just off the top rope. Uh, he's also slow as shit. So, <laughs> yeah, 469 is not great for an inside linebacker. I was going to be pretty surprised if he were drafted anyway and then the combine happened and it kind of confirmed my suspicions he's not exactly nfl athleticism curious if he still gets a shot i really wouldn't be that surprised especially with a combine invite that says teams have been interested in him at least to some extent but i have strength concerns too especially at that inside linebacker Uh, again you can't put everything on on what you see from the combine but 17 reps is not good. Uh, not not for a linebacker, not what... It, it, way more than I could ever do. Um, at least right now. But still, you're hoping to get over the 20s for that inside linebacker to fight off blocks and then bring down some of those hard-nosed runners. Now, directly opposed to that, uh, bad more athlete, athletic potentially undrafted, we have the some of the best athletes in the class and... Deontay Banks potentially working his way into early day two conversations. I, I'm Jacorian, starting to think so. Bennett potentially a day two guy. Uh, things that we didn't think were possible until we saw these test results and we maybe go back to the film again and see what's up with that. Uh, are these guys really that fast? Well, it turns out Maryland knew that Deontay Banks was that fast. Because he, he was and he is, in fact, that fast. Uh, and he is, yeah, 4-3 is pretty, pretty good. 4-3-5. <laughs> the 4-3 went to Jacorian Bennett. Uh, still, who gives a shit at that point? 
and and then their their jumping ability is also nuts both over 40 inch verticals both over 11 feet broad jumps like 40 inch vertical is tall enough to jump over tugas god damn it (laughs) i knew it was coming and it damn it (laughs) you couldn't stop it you were powerless how i feel all the time now deontay banks and jacorian bennett are not powerless they are no they are powerful freaks <laughs> pretty awesome yeah the, these are guys again that. that you're gonna you're gonna take flyers on like i feel like this is a theme for some of these guys with combine results uh looking at their average ranking across various mock draft or draft prospect rankings they're both over the 100 mark so you're already looking at mid to late day two picks um, I think they're moving up. Yeah. I think they, they, these guys should be breaking into the second round here soon, depending on how their pro days and the rest of the scouting goes, what the NFL scouts are seeing on tapes, but they, they have potential and they have athleticism you can work with. And Deontay Banks is somebody who can come in and immediately impact the game from the return game. Um, he did it at Maryland and he was pretty damn good at it there too. So these guys have something that you want to keep an eye on. Uh, the number one uh, ranked cornerback athletically was Deontay Banks, and the number three was Jacorian Bennett. So, yeah, some athletic monsters out here. And I have seen some mock drafts that are pushing Deontay Banks into the first round. Wow. I'm not there just yet, personally. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't stop Ohio State. <laughs> I mean, who? who Speaking could, of, guess, you don't want me to answer that question. North. Other than the team at North, I answered it for you. And Georgia. Uh, well, Georgia didn't really stop us. We still scored 41 on them. That's fair. More they- like Georgia knocked out Marvin Harrison Jr. with a dirty hit. Right. Anyway, other defensive players. Have fun with that, Bug. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, some interesting guys here. Mid to late round picks, all of these guys, I would say potential undrafted even uh, for a couple of these guys. I'm not very high on anyone on this slide very much. Maybe Zach Harrison as a day two guy. Zach Harrison's going to be moving, moving up the boards. Uh, He didn't do any of the off field workouts, uh, which now I got, I got to ask just because we've seen it for almost every Ohio state player outside of Dewan Jones and Luke Whipler. Why does Ohio State hate the 40? No other, no other player from Ohio State did it. Uh, partook in the 40-yard dash outside of uh, two offensive linemen. Um, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm with you. Ronnie Hickman and Cameron Brown are interesting to me. Uh, were they Ronnie s- Hickman is a great tackler. But other than that, I don't know what exactly he provides you at safety. Like he's there's, I think that would be the reason he didn't run is because he was probably going to be relatively slow compared to the rest of the safety class. Yeah. And Cameron Brown's one of those guys. I've said it multiple times. I am an Ohio State fan. I do not remember Cameron Brown ever playing for Ohio State. Like this dude, just no memory of him ever existing. Uh, so maybe that's a good thing. As a cornerback, it's always nice to not be known uh, to an extent. The issue I have with that, though, 
means he it, wasn't getting picks either. <laughs> I was going to say, the issue I have with that, though, Doug, is for the past two seasons, you've been complaining about your secondary. Right. That's so true. if you've never heard of him, that means either he wasn't getting enough playing time and he wasn't good enough to keep getting more. Or he really wasn't doing much and just getting burned so badly that people forgot he was supposed to be covering him. Because the secondary was – or the, the the safeties were picking up for him. There we go. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Yeah, instead of he hearing Cameron Brown, we were hearing Ronnie Hickman. Like, In fact, Cameron Brown is the reason uh, Ronnie Hickman is so good at tackling. I'm going to go with that, that theory now. Probably. <laughs> so what you're saying is Cameron Brown is uh, Eli Apple Jr. Yes. Uh, way worse. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go on a limb and say that. Uh, I would be surprised, moving on to the Purdue guys here, I would be surprised if Jalen Graham gets his name called. Uh, nothing against him, just I don't see it. Kind of same with Corey Trice. Maybe in the same boat as Cameron Brown for me, like no memory of him really doing anything productive. Corey. Uh, Corey Trice has a better chance of getting selected and transitioning to safety than Jalen Graham has at getting selected at safety. Um, he does actually 6'3, 247. That'd be great safety. <laughs> meanwhile, Jalen Graham's best chance would be to kind of play a uh, the old school Lobo back, uh, Brian Erlacher style here, 6'2, 220. That is, that is thick for a safety. Yeah, and there are like two of those in the NFL anymore. Yeah, so. he's he's also slow and doesn't jump very well for a safety, which are other concerns on top. So yeah, I'm with you. I don't think yeah, Jalen Graham you know how gets often you long jump in the middle of a game. No, but the 30 inch vertical is very bad for a safety. Yeah, that's that's rough. <laughs> which that's might rough. have something to do with his 220 pounds, but you know, details. Um. Uh, no, I, I'd be surprised if Jalen Graham gets drafted, but I think looking at it, I can see someone taking a flyer on Corey Trice. Fair enough. Moving right along. No, Just a little bit more filled out here. Yeah, finally. Um, we have one of the only white corners you will ever see anywhere in Riley Moss. He's not bad. Give him that. <laughs> that. That doesn't tell me much. He, yeah, he's not bad here. Like, no, he he has made some phenomenal plays over his time at Iowa. One of the most exciting corners to watch, honestly, in the Big Ten. But I think that's both good and bad. Uh, he can make some great plays at times, but also, do you really want him being your your corner? Uh, on the outside alone on an island? Probably not. Outside, no. Nickel corner? I could see something there. Maybe a dime corner? It'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be fun. Uh, much better, more sure defensive picks here out of Iowa. Jack Campbell is one of my favorite middle linebackers in this class. Yep. I do this a lot. I like a lot of mid-tier middle linebackers. Uh, Jack Campbell is my my middle linebacker crush, similar to Nick Bolton of a couple of years ago. I know Drew Sanders is the only middle linebacker with legitimate potential to be a 
day one pick, Jack Campbell is my favorite middle linebacker. Jack Jack <laughs> Campbell is a surefire tackler who is a true middle linebacker by every sense of the word. Yeah. And coming out of a 4-3 defense that's saying something, because, uh, Doug, I've said this to you many times. You're probably sick of me saying this. A 4-3 defense is designed to funnel every running play into the middle linebacker and expect them to get the tackles. And Jack Campbell did that very well at Iowa. Um, in fact, that defense was the reason they were in half the games they were in uh, is because right. that was the only thing they had going for him. So you get a sure tackler who honestly can move around the middle of that field very well and get to where he needs to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the Jack Campbell train. I'm looking. He's projected at it as a late day two pick. He might be working his way up into the – into the second round for me here. I haven't heard anything like that coming from anyone else. So I said I'd be that surprised if he does, yeah. but yeah, I like him. Uh, KV on Merriweather is one of those safeties where, yeah, maybe you take a chance on him. I'm not, I'm not sold. I'm not sold against him either. I guess day three, kind of a safety. Yeah. See what you got. What Lucas Van Ness, on the other hand, is probably going to be a pretty high draft pick it's purely off of athletic profile and potential. The best part about you saying that is his athletic profile dropped after the uh after the combine. Yeah. He I I don't want to keep saying this because it sounds way worse than it is. The story is he never started a game at Iowa. And people love to latch onto that and say that, you know, how can he be ever be a first round pick if he never could start in college? Uh, he had more snaps played than anybody else on the Iowa defense. I think he just, for some reason or other, never started a game. I don't understand what happened there. Uh, the Iowa coaching staff is a whole other conversation, but Lucas what? Van Nest is a very productive defensive end with an athletic profile, at least heading into the combine. That was phenomenal. Uh, I, I'm not sure where he ends up. I guess I'll hand it over. I'm sorry, Doug. I <laughs> no, you're good, man. So I was going to highlight this because his position listing on our documents say edge, but you already said it. He is a true defensive end, and those yeah. are different positions. And I think his draft value as an end is significantly higher than that if he was an edge. He's 6'5", 272. He's going to sit there and cause issues in the C and D gaps. Um I mean, four or five eight is pretty good for a defensive it, end, dude. No, he, no, it, that's what I'm saying though. Is it's it's he's a fantastic defensive end. I think yeah. his draft stock goes down for me if I'm looking to draft him as an edge, right? Yeah, so it, it definitely hurts you if you run a three four. Uh, you need you need yeah, a four okay. three for Eight. for Lucas Van Ness to make a lot of sense for you. Correct, and that that's really what I was starting to drive at. Yeah, um, he. What's going to hurt him is he can creep up into day one if somebody sees a good value for him filling their 4-3 defense. Or mm -hmm. four two, he'll work in a 4-2-5 as well. Um, I just I don't see him fitting into 3-4 into schemes. Fair enough. 
Uh, one guy who I can't see fitting into any scheme, PJ Mustafer. There, I said it. <laughs> uh, I used to be a big PJ Mustafer fan. My then God, I started slow. started looking into him, and yeah, he just—I don't think he has what it takes necessarily. He doesn't uh, fit the uh, athletic profile of an NFL even nose tackle. He doesn't have pass rushing ability. And so the thought has always been, can he stop the run as a defensive tackle? And I've never really watched him be able to do that very well. So what does he give you? Wait, are we looping him into our tight end issue of he does a lot of things okay, but nothing well? Probably. Yeah. I think think that's probably fair. Uh, (laughs) uh, Opposite story for the other two Penn State guys here. Jair Brown is... Again, I fall in love with certain guys for no reason all the time. Jair Brown's probably my favorite safety in this class. Probably like a day three guy. I don't, I can't explain it. Jair Brown's great. (laughs) Uh, And then you have Joey Porter Jr. Who arguably another number one corner in the, in the draft. Potentially a first-round guy, for sure. Uh, Recognition definitely helps. It certainly does. His production on the field this year definitely helped. Certainly does. The issue is he seems to not be able to do that consistently all the time. Uh, I don't know if it's taking plays off. I don't know if it's – I don't know what it could be. If we can coach him out of the slumps, which are short enough that you don't really notice it when you're looking at season stats, uh, he could be a great corner for you. Yeah. But But. there are some issues with Joey Porter Jr., and there's a reason that Pittsburgh fans aren't all dying to draft him, even though it would be uh, pretty fun. (laughs) See him go to his dad's team. That'd be... he grades out well, but I think I think what you're saying is going to be a key for him is does he take plays off? Is that what's going on? Um, like I said, everything statistically you're looking at looks good. He looks like the perfect candidate. However, I can't be wasting right. draft picks on guys who take plays off. Right. That's kind of where I'm at with Joey Porter Jr. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about him, right? It's like he could potentially be the best corner in this class. Yeah. He could potentially be one of the draft busts of the class as well. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is probably true of everybody in the class. It could I still be one en- of the best ever. It could be one of the worst ever. I still enjoy that that was one of the NFL's grades, and it fit perfectly for one of our guys yesterday, uh, last week. Was Well, he's a boomer bust candidate. Yeah, right? true. I mean, like true. all these guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> Technically, yes. Keep on moving on. Oh, God. Gross. A lot of clashing colors on this yeah. slide. Fun Hold stuff. On. You mean to tell me the private school that has like this amazing law department and everything, their guys are taking their team photos and full pads, but then the school in the cornfield and one that's in the freezing cold are in shirts and ties? Yes. 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 
That's exactly I, what I, I'm I, telling you. I, I yes. don't understand anything anymore. Ben, I need you to pronounce that uh, Northwestern dude's name. Adetomiwa Adeborwe. Nice. Doug, what's the uh, what's the analysis? Actually, actually not bad. I uh, think it's Adebarre, but... We'll give I'll, it to I'll you. Give, I'll, I'll give you like a B. That's solid. We'll, we'll give hey, C's get degrees. I'm I'm above I'm above the I'm above ten, the and way better than Tug did. Ten, <laughs> ten points for Bug. Yes, ten points for Bug and Door. <laughs> oh God! Oh, no, Adabare is Adabare is climbing up draft boards significantly. Uh, simply because his athletic profile. Yep. Uh, he looks like, again, one of those just freaky, talented 4-3 defensive ends. I'm more comfortable putting him on the edge, though, if I absolutely need to. Running a, at, at 6'2", 282, this dude is big. Yeah. Also running a 4-4-9. Is pretty scary. Yeah. <laughs> not not gonna lie, if a six two two eighty two guy ran a four five at me, I'd would be taking a sack. Yeah. Only one. Well, I assume he only has one to give. We'll we'll <laughs> find out we'll find out at the start of the season. Or his pro day, whichever. No, th- this is another another prospect that grades out really well across the board. Height, weight, size, everything is what you're expecting out of a defensive end and then his athletic profile bills out as a as a true edge rusher. This is this is somebody who is not schematic like dependent. He can fit in and slide in wherever you need him to, uh which is going to be huge for teams looking at these guys in the draft, especially uh, looking in yeah. the late second early third round. Yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised. I was just going to say I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up going in the second round. He has or at least day two, somewhere day two. Yep. It's, it's, he's got that talent for sure. On the opposite end of the spectrum, defensive end O'Shawn Mathis has some name recognition that Adabari doesn't really have. Uh, that's because we not, pronounce his name. Not the same athletic profile, that's for sure. And not the same production either. Um, O'Shawn Mathis a little bit overrated this time last year. And now potentially a back end of day three kind of a guy at defensive end. Tough spot to be in. And he's Nebraska's only defensive prospect in this cycle. You're muted, Buck, if you're trying to talk. Which is embarrassing when they're the black shirts and they've got this whole tradition of defense and everything. I mean... Right. Man, Scott Frost really fucked that that whole team up. <laughs> yeah, but now, oh god, Matt Rule is there, guys. I did it. I remembered. Hey, you remembered a singular name. Good job. <laughs> One of the easiest names of all time to remember, and you struggled. I was That's about cool. to. I was about to say <laughs> ten points for Tuggerin, but that just sounds wrong. Let's never say that again. <laughs> Minus I vote for that. Ten points for <laughs> minus for ten thousand points <laughs> for, for <Dukas. laughs> 
for t- for Tugglepuff. <laughs> God damn it! Uh, <laughs> Does that mean you're dugging cloth? No, that's not what that means. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> um, I don't even know what I was going to be talking about here. I think I was going to move on to the corners. And honestly, I really don't have much to say about the corners. Uh, this is a very deep draft class for corners. And I don't think these guys are at the top of that list. Unfortunately, Terrell Smith, Cameron Mitchell are both fine. These are... At least Terrell Smith is fast. Yeah, I'm looking at Terrell Smith might squeak his way onto a roster uh, in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, Cameron Mitchell might be a priority UDFA for me, but I'm not thoroughly impressed with either, honestly. It's kind of similar for me with Jordan Howden, like not the same level athletically as some of these other safeties in this class. I'm not sure where that would put him for me. I, I don't know yeah. if I would really consider Jordan Howden at again, put it this way. Jordan Howden will not be showing up on the BDT mock drafts that we're doing live. Correct. Uh at the very least. <laughs> Correct. But I, Adibari, I think definitely will. Yes. I think definitely. Maybe in the next one. <laughs> Maybe most likely. <laughs> oh, we made it to special teams. They are uh, special and they are they, indeed part of the team. Is this special teams or special needs? Well, that considering mustache on Jake Moody. I was gonna yeah. say, considering we have Uncle Rico here on the podcast with us today. Oof. And then Bryce Barringer just Dude, uh, you that must change your whole vibe, dude. <laughs> Please, <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is something. What, what whatever no that is, no. <laughs> and it's even worse for Adam Corsick, who is probably the best punter in this class. Uh, he just looks like a bad person. So, <laughs> From this so, photo, he looks like a terrible dude. So if you're new to the BDT podcast, we analyze kickers based on how they look. Yes. Uh, Doug, which of these are you signing as a UDFA or are you drafting any of them in the late rounds? Corsic is the only punter who's really draftable this year. Also the only Rutgers player we've talked about this entire episode. Look, I yes. was just going to say he's had a lot of practice punting. Yes. Yes. And he's, he's pretty good at it. Give him that. Uh, also looks like he went to church camp and bullied me. So that's <laughs> even though he was like six feet shorter than me, which is impressive because I'm only six, three. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's good at punting. Bryce Berenger is one of those, like I could understand a UDFA there again, quite a bit of practice this year. Uh, and again, Mel Tucker owes his fortune Contract. now to Kenneth Walker. <laughs> let's let's be real. Can, can I say how Brad Robbins looks like he's trying to sell me some rundown shack as a fixer upper property? He really does. <laughs> like, dude, golden, perfect location. You're in the middle of the slums. Like, <laughs> he ain't making out the hood with that dude. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, I really do think the best kicker in this entire class is Jake Moody. He's just not allowed within 250 <laughs> yards of an elementary school. It's fine. Yeah. So you need to check on the stadium and its location, the nearest middle school, elementary school. Park. drafting Jake Moody. High Church. school. Yeah. But if you're in the clear, Jake Moody's probably the best kicker in this class. Uh, Chad Ryland, I wouldn't particularly be looking at i think there are better options at kicker this cycle but i think corsic and moody are draftable which is more praise than i usually give special needers and this is this is the part of the podcast where we remind you that these are not people they are kickers there's a difference just ask urban meyer Oh no! <laughs> oh, that's uh, part of that. He started his career as a special teams coordinator too. I know it's amazing. Wait, special teams or special needs coordinator? Those are two very different career paths, <laughs> for the record. <laughs> I think one of those is uh, you need a degree in early childhood education. The other involves kicking special teamers. <laughs> Which one's which? Uh, I will let you guess. <laughs> but oh, those are God. the draft prospects, at least those that got invited to the NFL Combine, coming out of the Big Ten. A couple other guys I'm interested in, but I don't really know if the Rutgers corners will be drafted. Uh, yeah, Probably not. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Uh <laughs> Some, some great players coming out of the Big Ten, and you'll see several of them in our upcoming mock draft, which we will do, I think we got three weeks from now, will be another mock draft from us. I know the Bears trade just happened. Uh, plenty of people will be wanting to see what we do at that number one spot now for the Carolina Panthers, since we definitely didn't do that last time. But you'll have to hold your horses, and we'll get through a couple other I, I actually, we're getting through all of the power conferences before we get to our next mock draft. So hang tight. And next time I see you, we'll be talking about XFL stuff. And then the next time after that will be the ACC and Notre Dame combined into one thing because Notre Dame sucks balls. Because Notre Dame is the ACC. Die. Like Notre Dame is part of the ACC. Might as well. Also true, but that's not the reason. The reason is they suck fucking ass. Also true. Did you say uh, they suck fucking ass or suck at fucking ass? They yes. very different connotations here. They fuck both sucking ass. They're <laughs> both equally true. I, I don't like Notre Dame. <laughs> I, think, I, think I couldn't tell. <laughs> also add here that tomorrow, if you want to hang out, watch some XFL with somebody, I'll be live right here. Oh boy. We'll be, uh, you'll be getting my live reaction to the games. We'll be doing some XFL after dark. I'm going to have some pizza. I'd share with y'all, but I can't send it through the internet. So just come hang out and uh, let's watch some good football together. You can send it through the internet. It just costs more. Ooh, interesting. Doug, hey. you got our links? No. No. <laughs>
He is hard refusing you, huh? He thinks he can beat much. me on willpower. I haven't See y'all next time, folks. <laughs> Check out our social media. It's going to be in the link description below for uh, easy access if you're listening on podcasts or just checking that description on YouTube. Patreon.com backslash Football, twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches. That's where you can catch us live. And I screwed up today. They should have been scrolling across the bottom all stream, but they weren't. They are now. We got that fixed. If you head on over to Twitter or Facebook.com, just hit the backslash at the end and type in BDT football. You'll find us there. Instagram.com. We use it a little bit. We're still trying to figure out the best way to use it. If you've got ideas on how to do it, hit us up at mailbox at BDTfootball.com. But if you want to check out the gram, it's BDT underscore football. And of course, YouTube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches. Discord, like I said, we're putting the links in there. I'm not writing that. I'm not. I'm not saying that all out. And uh, Tug, since Doug decided to desert us, I figure I, I'll tell you a joke. I got a joke for you. Ooh, I like jokes. There's a nun having a bath. I'm back for this. <laughs> <And she> <laughs> There's a nun no. having a bath. She hears a knock at the door. She gets a bit worried, but says, who is it? She hears, it's the blind man. She says, well, come on in. The man enters and says, Nice tits. Now, where do you want me to put the blinds? <laughs> I've heard that before. It's on a... <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have this show today. Thank you for watching and or listening. And just remember, you can't win a game if you can't win a game.